Our Own Press presents The Cradle, written and performed by T.M. Camp. Being in exile, she discovered, meant freedom. She could go anywhere, do anything she liked. There was no one who would tell her different, boss her around, make sure she didn't get into trouble. Unfortunately, this also meant being alone. And, she soon discovered, it meant going hungry sometimes when there wasn't anything to eat. It meant sleeping on the hard ground, no matter what the weather was like. It also meant rain, lots of it, for hours on end. And so, she'd gotten very wet. When the little patch of ground she'd been sleeping on began to change from slightly damp to slightly deep, she decided it was time to move on. She'd been walking for a few days now, stopping to sleep when it grew too dark to see where she was going. But even during the day... There wasn't much to look at, just a flat, barren plain surrounding her, with nothing but a smudge of horizon to steer by. Her stomach rumbled, hopefully, a sound she was going to become more and more accustomed to as the days wore on, so much so, in fact, that she did not even notice the storm until it was almost on top of her. She'd heard the thunder, of course, but she just assumed it was her stomach complaining. The sky already dim with the approach of evening or what passed for it in this place, grew darker still as the clouds swept in. G had just gotten comfortable, or at least as comfortable as could be expected on the hard-packed earth. Lying there, she did her best to forget how far she'd walked over the past few days. Unfortunately, this wasn't enough to distract her from thinking about how much more she might have to walk in the days to come. And then she felt the first drop of rain against the back of her hand. It took a moment before she realized what it was, but by then another drop had fallen, this time against her cheek. Soon enough she was listening to the steady patter against the cracked ground all around her. A little while after that, she gave up on sleep altogether and started walking once more. She did her best to keep on in a straightish sort of direction, which was hard enough to do in the daytime with no landmarks to steer by. It was even more difficult at night, bone-tired and in the rain. Consoling herself that she couldn't possibly get more wet or more tired than she already was, G walked on through the night. Morning eventually put in an appearance, although dimly, and G was glad to see the low slope of hills ahead gathered together like the curves of a woman sleeping there on the horizon. The clouds overhead broke apart, shredding away to reveal the pale sky beyond. Mercifully, the rain began to taper off just as she reached the slope of the hills. With the storm clouds still blanketing the plains behind her, 
G ignored the complaints of her legs and started her ascent. It was an easy climb. The slope was gradual and the thin, pale grass felt good beneath her tired feet. At the crest of the hill, she found herself looking down into a narrow valley beyond. If the plain behind her was barren, then what lay on the other side more than made up for it. Below her, down the far slope of the hill, a little valley opened up, green and gentle, the fields and meadows dotted here and there with trees. She sat for a while at the crest of the hill. Behind her, thunderclouds rolled across the sky, drowning the plains and shadows and rain. Down in the valley, she saw a curious sight, a white dome rising out of the trees. It looked like a government building in one of her school books, all white marble and pillars. It occurred to her that she wouldn't have to go to school ever again. She was on a permanent holiday. Every day was a vacation day. She didn't think she was going to miss it all that much. She wondered about the dome and what it was for. From where she sat, she could see the white columns supporting it. She did not think it was a house. She was curious, of course, but she knew well enough that being careful was much more important. She stood up, scanning the valley below for any sign of life. She told herself that she was being careful, although she was really just waiting for the breeze to dry her dress. Eventually, she couldn't stand to wait any longer. So, with her dress still a little damp, she made her way down the slope into the valley below. She'd been walking all night, and she was tired and hungry. But there were trees down there, and some of them might bear fruit. She was willing to walk a bit further for that possibility. When she came into the valley, G found herself at the edge of a large open field. On the far side, she saw an old farmhouse overgrown with briars and weeds. It was a decrepit, tumble-down place, every window broken, the splintered shingles of the roof caving in on themselves. She went on across the field, doing her best to blend in with the tall weeds as she approached the house. She could feel the windows, watching her. She decided that it must be abandoned. But she couldn't be sure. A little voice in the back of her head nagged at her, reminded her that anyone who chose to live in such a place was almost certainly not the sort of person she wanted to run into. But if someone was still living there, there was a chance they might be nice enough to offer her something to eat. If no one lived there anymore, it seemed possible they might have left something behind. Anything seemed better than listening to her stomach growl for another few days. So she made her way across the rutted field, braving the briars and bramble-choked front yard. She startled a small brown rabbit in the process, sending him off across the field with little explosions of dust in his wake. She did not trust the rotting front porch to support her weight. She had no interest in crashing through the splintered boards, so she made her way along the side of the house, hugging close to the wall in order to avoid the overgrown yard as best she could. 
She noted with distaste that the walls were encrusted with dark clots of dried mud, all the way up to the eaves. She tried to peer in through a few of the windows as she passed, but they were too high. It occurred to her that she would never be tall enough to look in those windows. She would never get older, never get taller than she was. She didn't quite know what to do with that thought, so she put it out of her mind and put her attention on avoiding the thorns and brambles crowding up close to the house. She moved gingerly in the little gap between the muddy walls and the weed-choked yard. She tried not to think about the weeds and how close they were, how sharp their thorns were, what she would do if they suddenly edged in closer, reaching for her. She shook herself. She was going to have to stop the habit of creeping herself out. In this place, imagination could make things happen all on their own. Rounding the back corner of the house, she discovered a small set of rickety steps leading up to where a battered back door tilted off its hinges. Blocking the doorway was an old kitchen stove toppled to one side, smeared with so much mud it was impossible to tell what color it might have once been. G climbed the steps carefully, craning her neck over the bulky stove to peer into the gloom. Eyes adjusting to the shadows, she saw a surprising jumble of debris scattered across the floor within. Old kitchen chairs tangled together like tumbleweeds, sticks and branches clogging the corners, pots and pans filled with old mud and dried leaves. Even the plaster walls, G noted, were crumbling and caked with mud. A dark brown ring ran around the circumference of the room just below the cracked ceiling. It was, as her mother used to say about G's closet, just a big old ugly mess in there. But she saw a few cupboards in there as well. It wasn't too much to expect that there might be a few dusty cans in the back of one of them. She leaned forward and began to climb over the stove. As she did, the stove shifted. The door tilted under her like a seesaw, and it was all she could do to throw herself backwards in order to avoid rolling forward into the house. As she fell back, she had this momentary flash, the stove tilting forward and crushing her to the ground, holding her there for eternity. Sprawled in a patch of scrub grass at the base of the steps, G heard a tremendous crash from within the house. Stunned, she watched the entire house shudder as the door tore loose from its remaining hinge and the stove tipped over and inward, disappearing into the darkness within. The noise inside the house went on for a while. It sounded like quite a lot was happening all at once in there. Once it had subsided, G gingerly made her way back up the steps to peer through the doorway. Inside, everything had changed. It took her a few moments to make sense of what she was seeing. The kitchen had vanished. Where once there had been a floor was now a gaping hole. She realized she was looking down into the basement. Down below, G could see the floorboards and furniture all tumbled together in a few feet of stagnant, muddy water. She saw the stove down there, where it had dragged down the kitchen and nearly the whole house along with it. 
Yeah, she told herself. That's not good. The cupboards still waited on the kitchen walls, only now she had no way to reach them. It was frustrating, but she was very glad she had not gotten further over the stove before it fell through. She was very glad for that. On her way back through the yard, she caught a brief glimpse of something familiar in the underbrush. She crept forward for a closer look. Tangled up in the weeds and thorns, she saw a pair of threadbare overalls and a faded plaid work shirt. Along with these tattered garments, there were bones, very old by the look of them, bleached white by the sun and scoured by the wind. She saw a few ribs poking through the shirt, some others scattered nearby. Whoever they were and however they died, it had been a long, long time ago. She inched her way back out through the brambles and continued on, leaving the old house at her back and heading in the general direction of the white dome she'd seen from the top of the hill. Over the next hour or so, she saw three more crumbling old houses. They stood there, rotting in their fields like shipwrecks abandoned at the bottom of the sea. They gave her the shivers. The air down in the valley was very still, hardly even the slightest hint of a breeze. Her thin dress, still damp, clung uncomfortably to her in the humid air, and G was getting annoyed with the clammy feel of the fabric against her legs. She was disappointed that there was no fruit to be found on the trees. But there were birds, at least, the cheer of their song reminding her that she'd been walking all night and that she was very tired. G decided that birds who'd gotten a good night's sleep and breakfast didn't need to rub it in. She needed to find a safe place. She couldn't quite shake the feeling that the White Dome might be a good place to rest. She made her way through the fields, passing by the ruins of other farmhouses. One of these had almost completely collapsed in on itself. Even from a distance, G could smell the stagnant, vaguely septic reek of it. She plugged her nose and did her best not to inhale too deeply as she passed. There was a vague, gag-inducing taste on the air. She held her breath and walked faster. Fortunately, the smell of it did not linger long nor cling to her clothing. In time, she saw the dome once more through a break in the trees ahead. She threaded her way carefully through the trunks and undergrowth, choosing her path carefully and keeping her eyes open for any danger. She'd learned a lot since she'd first come here, and she didn't make the same mistakes twice. At least, not anymore. Just inside the tree line, G positioned herself in the shadows between two trunks growing close together, branches intertwined above her. She stood there for a very long time, watchful. The dome appeared to be open on all sides, supported by thick white columns. The whole thing rested atop a large white slab with steps cut into the sides, leading up. Green grass spread out all around, with trees beyond the far side of the dome. It was larger than she expected. It reminded her a little of the bandstand in the park back home where they would do plays during the summer. 
home. She sometimes forgot, even still. Then she saw movement on the lawn surrounding the dome. She got as flat and low as possible. She tried not to think about how good it felt to lie down, willed herself to stay awake and watchful. There, to one side she saw a small cluster of brown and gray shapes move, break apart, and then rejoin to form a little constellation on the grass. In the quiet, she could hear a chorus of long, wavering voices. They were goats, she realized, and it occurred to her after a moment that if there were goats, it was more than likely that there was also someone who took care of them, although she knew they might not be friendly towards strangers. Yet, apart from the goats, there was no sign of anyone else, but she'd learned a thing or two about patience, learned it the hard way, so she lay there and waited, watching for any sign of danger. Oblivious to her presence, the goats roamed the lawn. Some lounged here and there in the morning light, calling to each other in their strange, almost human voices. This book is a work of fiction. All situations, events, and characters are nothing more nor less than products of the author's imagination. And it's entirely possible that some of you are as well. Any resemblance to persons living dead or somewhere in between is entirely coincidental, especially if any of them want to sue me. This recording of The Cradle was produced by Our Own Press and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. It is copyright 2012, TM Camp, all rights reserved, except for the music, which is copyright Michael Levy. Violators of this copyright will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law and suffer the fury of the gods poured out in mighty waves of unending wrath until nothing of your selfish lands remain but water as far as the eye can see. Or being turned into goats. Either way, you'll be sorry. You'll see. This recording was originally distributed as a free download through the author's website at www.tmcamp.com. The music is available from Michael Levy's website at www.ancientliar.com.
are on press, bringing readers and writers together, one story at a time.